you know, when I was, uh, you know, at, at the top of my game as an individual, every morning that I woke up, my goal was to win the CrossFit Games every single morning. Now I have three kids or, or three, yeah, three kids every morning that, um, you know, those are my goal. And that's, hey, be the best dad, best husband. And then number three is like, hey, I'm going to be super fit too and, and be, be fit for my team. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today's guest needs almost no introduction, so I'll make it brief. Rich Froning is a four-time fittest man on earth, captain of four CrossFit Games winning teams, and one of the most celebrated competitors in any strength sport. Our conversation today focuses on Froning's competition future, his plans for CrossFit Mayhem, hosting his first ever sanctional competition, and much, much more. Also, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Rich Froning, a man who needs little to no introduction. Thanks so much for joining us today, Rich. And when we're recording this podcast, we're just a few days out from a very big weekend for you, the CrossFit Mayhem Classic, the first ever CrossFit Mayhem Classic. How did that come about and where did the idea for holding that competition originate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this uh, this whole sanctional model is kind of new. It's, uh, you know, something we're all trying to get used to, I guess. And, uh, you know, we we... Obviously, we want to be a part of the season. Um, I've, I've been a part of the games for going on 11 years now. And so um, I know, let's be honest, uh, time is undefeated. And I know know kind of where my career is going to end at some point. And so uh, trying to figure out a way, you know, obviously, I'll still be around, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, coaching or being a part of something. But this is another way for us to kind of um, you know, extend that. And you know, we've done the Mayhem for Mustard Seed event, which is a, a charity event for seven years. And uh, last year was actually the first time we moved it to the gym um, instead of the Ag Pavilion, just to kind of see if we could house it. And and we actually used basically all that same committee that's helped us with Mayhem for Mustard Seed to, to run this event. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, like I said, I, we wanted to be a part of the season. And, you know, like I said, I've been to a ton of events and I feel like we've been on been in some really good events, been in some bad events, and uh, you know we've learned a lot of things over the years, and and so I wanted I wanted to uh, put on a good event and, and be a part of that qualification process um, to go to the games. You know, like this is this is kind of the, the sport that I put so much of my life into, and uh, it, it's another way for us to give back as well and, and um, have some fun. What are some of the pitfalls that you'd really like to avoid? I mean, you said you've, you've been to so many events over the past decade, and I'm sure as an athlete, your experience has been up and down, depending on how it's organized and basically how yeah. it's scheduled. What are some things that you really want to make sure athletes can take away from their experience at this competition? Right. I think obviously the biggest thing is programming, a well-rounded program. Um, you know, making sure that we're trying to hit all you know facets of fitness, and and making sure the most well-rounded athlete is is the athlete that comes out of here. I don't feel like um, you know we've we have it um, geared towards you know one athlete uh, too much. I've you know we've tried to do as much as we can to make the workouts um, from a viewer's perspective cool to watch, but also from an athlete's perspective, be able to test the athletes. Nothing super 
uh, gimmicky. You know, there's some, you know, there's a dumbbell squat snatch, which is, is a little bit, uh, you know, a lot of people haven't touched the 120 on the men's side, but um, I feel like it's uh, it's still a good test. It's, there's no, hey, put, get, pick the dumbbell up, squat with it, stand up. You know, there's no, like, you have to do unbroken reps, nothing like that. It's like, hey, let's, uh, let's have a good test and let's have the athletes uh, be the show, not necessarily the program, not necessarily make it about us, make it about the athletes. But then another thing is, like, not jerking them around like, Hey, you got to be here at 6am, but you don't go till noon. You know, that, that type of thing that we've done a couple of times, you know, a couple of competitions I've been to, where you have to get there super early for an athlete brief and then you sit around for five hours. You don't really have time to go back to the hotel, but, um, you can't, it's just, it's just not a pleasant experience. So, you know, we've tried to like, Hey, let's do all of the athlete briefs the day before or the night before. So I don't get here super early. And then, um, you know, the workouts are the schedule is pretty um, standard throughout the day. And so it should be a, a good, um, good, good weekend for them. And then, like I said, we still obviously, um, you know, we want to put on a good show. And so that's another thing you got to look at too is, Hey, did the workouts, did they look good? You know, is there too, is it too confusing? Can you kind of tell a story with the workouts? You know, um, that's another thing we've worked with a, a company called Throwdowns. They've developed live scoring. So on the live stream, you'll be able to know exactly where people are, what they're doing. And, um, that's, a, you know, the live stream, that's, uh, we didn't realize, you don't realize those type of things and how expensive, uh, if you want to put on a good show. And I feel like this will be, you know, quality of, of rogue imitational and CrossFit games media. Um, so those, those type of things you don't really, uh, think about when you're, you're planning your event, you're like, Oh yeah, you know. What, what's it going to cost a couple thousand to, to live stream it? And you're like, now a couple, maybe a hundred thousand. Yeah. So it's, it's not cheap. We, uh, we work very closely with USA weightlifting. We're their official media partner. And you'd think weightlifting live streaming would be something that's super easy. Cause it's just one platform. Yeah. No one's moving. Right. And then you look yeah. at the costs for that and you're like, it just, it Are boggles the mind. Yeah. 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 They're like, Hey, uh, you would need an extra camera. Oh, that's an extra couple thousand dollars. You're like, what are you, I mean, you're like, oh, but you got to hire a camera operator. Oh, and if we go over this much time, then, you know, we had to like really look at what the timeline was going to be. And, you know, we're doing an offsite event for the first couple events. And uh, we were like, yeah, we're not even going to try to live stream that because that's that was like exponential um, added cost. And so we're like, sorry, guys, you'll get a recap video of that one. But everything else will be live streamed and it'll be uh, pretty cool. Awesome. Well, well, we'll be releasing this podcast after the competition. So for folks yeah. who hadn't watched, we'll make sure there's a link in the podcast notes, to the archives, and so they can rewatch the competition. And I'm, I'm really excited to see it personally. One thing I wanted to chat about, you know, you are now part of, this is one of the sanctionals this year, one of numerous, yeah. almost a couple dozen sanctionals. You know, you're part of the qualification yep. system this year. And that's been a pretty rapid change from, you know, less than two years ago. And we saw these very, very rapid tra- changes and transitions in CrossFit qualification from the regionals model now to the sanctionals model, which are independently held and operated. What was your initial reaction when you heard the CrossFit Games was moving away from regionals as that qualification method? Um, anger, frustration. Uh, you know, I mean, as an athlete, you're kind of, uh, it's, it's, you know, and I don't want to say an athlete that's an athlete that's, that's been around and you feel like, some of us should have maybe been notified of some of these changes, but then you hear that nobody was really notified of these changes. So, uh, you know, I at first was, did not like it at all. was uh, very, you know, apprehensive about it. Very, um, you know, very critical of it. But after seeing it last year um, and actually, you know, 
my biggest thing was like, hey, let's, why couldn't we have done one more year of like announced, hey, this next year we're going to move to the sanctional model. And then, you know, let's finish regionals and do whatever we've done for the past couple of years. Like change is hard. And to do it so fast and with so little communication, that was a little frustrating. And, you know, it is what it is. And this is where we're at right now. Let's make the best of it. I think um, it can be a good thing. And I think it will be down the road. Uh, you know, we had to make some changes, the growth, um, the cost, you know, now you see what the cost of some of these events are. Um, it had to be done. Um, now we've got to figure out, Hey, what's, what's the best way to do some of this stuff? Like, you know, when you stand back and look at some of these events and see some of the programming at them, I, I've harped on it. I've been on a couple of different podcasts, a couple of different interviews and programming is something that it directly affects the event, you know, individual wise. Yeah. It makes a big deal. Um, but team wise, it's huge. And for me, that, that hits me the most is, you know, you can really, uh, program one way and affect the outcome on team events. You know, like if they're not really team events, um, a good team's not going to win. You know, you could have a bunch of good, really good athletes, um, that are individuals, but don't work well together as a team. Like we saw last year at the games and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I'm, and I'm not sure what that answer is. Like I have no answer, you know, I'm trying to think of a way and it'd be tough, you know, to kind of privatize all of the the programming, but they're just need We got to figure something out on that side. Um, needs to be some type of discussion of, Hey, like, let's, let's figure this out. And so um, I'm, I'm optimistic now. I'm positive about the changes they needed to be done. Like I said, it, I personally think uh, maybe a year out versus those, you know, of the immediate change that we saw, but Hey, I'm not in charge and uh, you know, I don't pay those bills either. So um, it is, it is what it is. Well, I think a lot of people, maybe myself included, assume that you kind of have this like red hotline phone that sits on your kitchen counter. And whenever anything in CrossFit happens, it rings and you pick it up and it's like the called arms or the first person. Yeah, no, I, I don't have a bat phone. Um, yeah. It's uh, I, I found out, probably just as, as much as everybody else did at the same time and probably a little slower, you know, like I feel like some of the other like uh, morning chalk up had a direct, I think uh, they had kind of the direct line to them at, in the beginning. Um, and now, and, and, and like I said, some of those changes needed to be made and, you know, the having the privatized media and, you know, offloading some of that um, cost that Greg did have with HQ, those things needed to be done. I just wish there would have been a little bit more communication and, and kind of a little bit, more gradual uh, turnover. But hey, like I said, I don't make those uh, decisions and, you know, I'm just trying to trying to survive here in Cookville, Tennessee. You're just a, you're just a small business owner, man. You're just trying to make small it work. Yeah. One thing you mentioned earlier and and I wanted talk about the, I wanted to talk about the mayhem classic. So I kind of tabled it, but I want to come back to it. You know, time is undefeated. You mentioned that earlier and everyone's athletic career, it doesn't necessarily end. You know, we see masters doing amazing things, but it it changes, right? You don't stay at that level your entire life in an ideal world. How do you see your athletic career developing over the next few years? And, you know, is competing as a master something you're interested in? What, what do you see moving forward? Yeah, I personally, um, I will be, a, I could be a master's athlete as long as I'm still productive on the team. Um, you'll never see me in another individual competition. That's just, uh, you know, it's, it's not where my headspace is. You know, it's, um, I did it for, you know, six years, five years, whatever it was. And I just, I just don't have that, um, that drive to do that anymore. Like I like, I love, like, I love where I'm at on a team. Uh, you know, I grew up a team sport guy. That's, that's who I am. 
And so I'll push for my team and I'll, you know, in individual workouts in a team setting, I'll push. But if it was just me, you know, I just feel like I don't, I just don't have that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, I've got other priorities. You know, when I was, uh, you know, at, at the top of my game as an individual, every morning that I woke up, my goal was to win the CrossFit Games every single morning. Now I have three kids or, or three, yeah, three kids every morning that, um, you know, those are my goal. And that's, hey, be the best dad, best husband. And then number three is like, hey, I'm going to be super fit too and, and be, be fit for my team. And, um, you know, I, I love where I'm at. And like I said, I will continue to work out and compete as long as I'm uh, not holding the team back and, and uh, still being a product, productive member of the team. You know, if I'm a master at that point, then yes, I guess I'm a master's athlete. Um, but I'll, I'm, I'm not, no individual competition for me. Makes sense. You know, at Barbend, we cover a lot of strength sports, weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, strongman. I know that you've done some like in-gym Olympic lifting competitions before. Is there any strength sport that you could see yourself competing in later on in life or any that you've kind of been interested in and said, hey, I'd love to do like, I'd, I'd love to do a powerlifting style competition, even if it's kind of in the gym or something like that. Right. Yeah. No, uh, Olympic lifting has always been, you know, one of my passions. I love it. Um, you know, having the meniscus injury a couple of years ago, I don't get to do quite as much heavy, high volume or he- heavy volume. Uh, you know, we'll do some like, all right, at the end of a workout, let's work to a heavy single while we're fatigued. And, you know, it works out well enough to where, you know, at the games two years ago, I hadn't snatched anything over 225 and probably, uh, what was it? probably six to eight months before that. And I hit 290. And then last year at the games, we had a clean and jerk max one rep max after, um, a long workout and I hit 360 on the clean and then rushed the jerk because it was under a top cap. And I didn't know, you know, if I could start the jerk before, or after or whatever, I missed the jerk, but honestly, I think I could have hit it just fine. Uh, just got a little bit lazy. So, I mean, I feel like with what we do, as long as I'm still supplementing some type of the strength, but I, you know, Olympic lifting is what I really, really enjoy. Um, you know, I, Powerlifting, yeah, but uh, Olympic lifting, more fun. Do you ha- Is there anyone in the Olympic lifting space that you really admire or really like to watch? I used to really, you know, I have, I don't get as much screen time, and and you know, my I watch a lot of Disney Junior, and uh, I, I can I can almost quote Shrek uh, the first at least forty five minutes until my kids fall asleep every night. Um, but you know, when I used to really get into Olympic lifting, uh, Kendrick Ferris always stuck out to me. I really just uh, liked just the power, uh, CJ Cummings now, you know, him being a Reebok athlete, I've, I've met him a couple of times and seems like a good kid, obviously strong, powerful kid. So, um, yeah, that's, those are the, the kind of the guys that I've watched over the years. You, in many ways in the fitness world, at least put Cookville, Tennessee, on the map. We kind of came to associate it with which Froning. Full disclosure, I competed in the Tennessee State Science Bowl at Tennessee Tech okay. back in right. back in high school every year. Nice. Was, so I knew Cookville as like where I would go do nerd stuff growing up, nice. right? Hey, hey, that's cool. That's cool. It's perhaps better known in the fitness world these days. Yeah. How do you look at your role in in kind of making Cookville this fitness destination? Because, I mean, if it weren't for you, Matt wouldn't be living and training there, most likely. My guess is Tia wouldn't either. Um, you know, how do you see your role in kind of nurturing that community and building up that community locally? Pre that, full disclosure, I was on the 4-H quiz bowl team that was at Tennessee Tech as Ooh. well. So yeah, that was in like, uh, I think, third or fourth grade. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's... Uh, I, 
Cookville is an amazing place. It's, uh, you know, I travel all over the world and I love to, you know, meeting new people and, and doing that type of thing. But man, home is home. And I, I love it here. And I've had multiple people be like, why do you always, what's Cookville? Why do you want to stay there? And it's just, um, you know, it's just home for me and, and it's a beautiful spot. It's very conducive to, to our lifestyle. You know, I like to be outdoors, but I like to work out a lot. And, um, we have the gym here and, you know, it's, it's beautiful. We got four seasons. I don't, I mean, I, I love Cookville. It's, um, it's, it's pretty incredible place. And then like, I, like you're saying with Matt and Tia and, you know, some of the team, it, it just draws like-minded people and people that understand what it takes to, to do what we have to do and the sacrifices we sometimes have to make. And I, you know, it's just kind of a, a welcoming community to that. And, uh, you know, it's obviously you've got a, a an incredible facility, um, here to train at, whether it's the, the gym and, you know, Rogue has partnered and, and given us all kinds of equipment there. And then, um, you know, us having the barn up here and, and having, you know, members that have, uh, they live on a lake and we have a member that his name's Bob and he's a ex masters level rower and he sets out buoys for us in the summer so we can open water swim. And, you know, it's just, it's a very, um, very positive community and, and kind of, you know, obviously over the years, they, everybody kind of knows how crazy I've been and, and what it took to get there. And so everybody kind of understands what everybody now is going through to do the same thing. So, um, it's been, it's been great. And we, we love it here and, you know, kind of hope people keep, keep wanting to come to Cookville. So, um, like I said, it's, it's home for us. I remember the, those videos that CrossFit HQ released, I think it was back in 2011 or 2012 when you and Dan Bailey were living and training together, or rather, I guess Dan was living with, with you and, you, and your wife. Yeah. 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 I should, yeah. I should clarify. I should clarify there. Um, I, you know, that was, that was like maybe the first example that I have in my head of people kind of coming to Cookville to, to train with right. you and at that point live with you as well. Um, how did it kind of evolve from there? Was it just you kind of sending out texts to athletes and being like, Hey, come, come train with me for a few weeks. No, no, really. To be honest, it was just kind of people were like, hey, can we come train? Um, you know, like obviously Dan, he was a GA at Tennessee Tech. That spot opened or there was a GA spot opened up. We would kind of talked previous to that. And I mentioned, hey, this it was opened up and uh, he decided to move down. And then I think from there, you know, you become friends with people through the years like Josh. We obviously came, became really good friends with Josh. Josh would come out and train some. You know, there'd be videos and then Ben Smith, good friend, he'd come out and train some. Then Fraser started coming out um, and then Sarah Sigmund's daughter moved down for a little while once she um, moved to the States. And then it was just, you know, we had a, it's just like I said, it's a good community and um, there's a lot of top level athletes with a lot of competition and everybody's working out. Somebody's always working out. And so there's always somebody to work out with. And then, you know, like Angelo, uh, when he was a teen, was down here or is down here still. Um, so that, like I said, there was just always somebody to work out with and there was always that, uh, that little extra push and people like that, I guess. And then once we started doing team, then, you know, like I would reach out and say, Hey, we need, you know, when Lindy moved down, uh, we had Kristen Raffitt move over from Nashville and then Tasia and then, you know, China comes out now and Scott comes out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both really, you know, there's some that were like, Hey, can I come down? And then they would either stay or, you know, come back regularly. Um, or, you know, Team-wise, it was like, hey, we need a new teammate. Come on. Let's talk about CrossFit Mayhem for a bit. Obviously, we talked about the the Mayhem Classic. CrossFit Mayhem is 
in a few years become much more than a gym. It's really a brand. I know you all sell a ton of apparel and merch. I see it in CrossFit gyms I go to no matter where I go. I, someone's wearing a CrossFit Mayhem t-shirt. You all produce a lot of media. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you all produce a lot of media. What are some of your goals for, for CrossFit Mayhem? I guess the physical space, sure, but also the, the larger brand. Yeah, you know, when I when I started, uh, when we when technically when we re, recreated CrossFit Mayhem, because we had made CrossFit Mayhem um, in 2009, technically, is when we opened it. And then we merged with CrossFit Cookville and then kind of came back out and CrossFit Cookville dissolved and we reopened Mayhem. And so my beginning was uh, I wanted the people of Cookville to have a good place to do CrossFit. I wanted my cousin Darren to have a good place to work. And I didn't want to lose money. Um, those were literally the, the three goals that I had. And uh, you know, I feel like we've done that with, you know, everybody in Cookville has a good place to work out. We have a, a great coaching staff. Um, Darren just recently moved back to Michigan to be closer to family now that they have a daughter. Um, so that goal is gone now and I'm not really losing money. Um, some days I feel like I'm losing money with all the stuff we add and all that type of stuff, but that's part of it. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, those are still the goals. Uh, but I, you know, I want to have something, uh, a good place. Like we're, everything's developed developing into, you know, like you said, kind of the center of, you know, we want people to want to come hang out, come train, um, whether it's top level athletes or we, you know, we do the train with rich week weekends where, you know, we have all facets of fitness that come in and hang out. It's a, it's a really good time. You know, people are a little intimidated when they first walk in the doors and then, um, throughout the weekend, they just realize, Hey, maybe there's no secret sauce. It's just a lot of hard work. And then Dre has done an incredible job uh, growing our media side and doing the videos and all of our social and um, a lot of the designs for shirts and Jaden done the apparel and we have the podcast now. And so, yeah, it's really just stuff we enjoy. And I'm like, Hey, Dre, uh, I got this idea for a shirt and you know, I have no computer skills, no design skills whatsoever. And Dre's like, Oh yeah, I can mock that up. And then, you know, we go back and forth. What about this color? What about that? And so having Dre to just computer whiz on that type of stuff, it's incredible. So, uh, yeah, we've got a great group and Josh just took over the gym for Darren when he left. And, uh, my dad kind of making sure the, that we don't burn the place down. And now we have the coffee shop going in, in the front. So yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, just trying to, trying to make sure that, you know, when I'm done competing, we still have something to do. You know, I can't, can't really stop and can't really shut the brain off. Got to be thinking about what's next. So I didn't grow up in a household with any professional athletes, but I am curious as a, a dad to three kids, obviously sports were an important part of your life growing up. They're still an important yep. part of your life. Um, are you tempted to kind of push them toward any particular athletic endeavors or, and have, have any of them shown like interest in one particular sport yet? Yeah, no, I mean, it's tough, you know, it's, it's, they see how much that, you know, what goes into what we do every day. And I love that, you know, I love that they can go with me to the barn, back and forth to the house, to the barn, they go to the gym all the time. Uh, I've never once been like, Hey kids, let's go work out. You know, I'll be like, Hey, you want to come play out the barn? Uh, but my daughter, she's Lakeland. She's my oldest. She's turning five or just turned five and starting to see a little bit of, you know, she's always been a little bit competitive and now you're really starting to see it. And it's, it's a little scary at times where I'm like, Oh, I'm creating a monster. Uh, but she's like, you know, this morning we're doing sandbag cleans and she looks at me and I'm like in the middle of the workout, my heart rate is probably 170, 160. And she's like, dad, and I'm like, what do you want? She's like, I don't have one of those bags. And I'm like, well, I didn't know you wanted to work out. So we had to get her a D ball and she's got like a little 10 pound D ball. 
Um, but I, you know, I've never once been like, Hey, you need to work out. Uh, if she ever asks me, Hey, I want to, can I do a workout with you? I'm like, heck yeah, let's do a workout. And so it's really been in the last probably six months that she's really taken an interest to that. Um, I don't want her to do CrossFit as a competitive sport until she's out of school. Um, I would rather her play as many sports as she can. All my kids, Trice, Violet, the same. Uh, I would, I really want them to be part of some type of sport. I don't really care what sport that is, to be honest, but there's so many life lessons that I learned. Uh, you know, one of my, the, one of the biggest, uh, male influences outside my father, um, was my high school baseball coach and coach, well, coach is really, you know, I have like three or four coaches that I can really like, uh, pinpoint. And then some of my best friends are the guys that I, I, um, that were on my teams. And so I really want those guys, the, my kids to have that, um, kind of that, that team sport aspect, have somebody else outside of me and my wife telling them, Hey, you know, it's okay to hurt. It's okay to suffer. Like it's, it's okay to be competitive. So, um, I probably will never coach my kids in any sport. You know, I might help out if, you know, in the front yard, if they want to play some sports and do some things and heck yeah, I'm in, but I don't want to be, uh, my dad never really did that. He, you know, he was always super supportive. My mom the same way, but never, he, she tried to coach one year. I think it was an assistant coach. Like he was first base coach. He's like, oh, I'm done with that. Uh, so. Like I said, I'll help out as much as I can, but I, I don't want to have that that type of relationship with my kids. I want them to, you know, I want I want to be dad, not coach. Gotcha. Now we've we've talked a little bit about where kind of you see your where you see your athletic career moving forward, and and obviously as we get older, our approach to recovery takes a little bit maybe more of a priority than it did when we were younger, and we felt like we can kind of get away with with anything, or at least it For seems sure. like it seems like that in hindsight sometimes, right? Yes. What are some recovery techniques, methods that you utilize these days? And generally, how has your approach to balancing training and recovery evolved over the last few years? Yeah, it's it's changed quite a bit. Really, the, the biggest change happened in uh, 2017 when I tore my meniscus the week before regionals. And so for me at that point, I was like, okay, because what, what I would do grow, you know, in my first couple of years of competing was I would let stuff ball up until it became an injury versus, hey, maybe I should take it easy on this and maybe go get some therapy or whatever it was at the time to, to alleviate this before it becomes something that is going to take a couple of weeks, you know, might take a week or two to get better versus a couple months. And so that was an eye opener was like, hey, I need to like start taking care of my body. We, you know, over the years we started adding swimming. That's been a, a huge thing for me where um, two weeks or two days out of the week, uh, we can still get a really good training session in a longer endurance, you know, hard workout, but it doesn't beat you up. You know, it does, isn't hard on the joints, isn't, you know, taxing the nervous system. Uh, so swimming has been a huge thing for me. Sleep, uh, it's huge, which I don't get a ton of that because, well, I have three kids. Um, but that's, that's a huge part of it and trying to make sure at the minimum, you know, we're laying in bed by, nine, 10 o'clock, um, trying to get eight hours if I can. You know, I used to, when I was an individual and no kids, I'd, you know, I'd sleep until my body would wake up. And sometimes that was 10, 11 hours. So that's been, uh, tough to adjust to the last couple of years is not getting that sleep. Um, nutrition been a huge part of, Hey, maybe I'm, I should actually, um, you know, look at what I'm doing. been working with RP for the last two years and it's actually really helped. You know, I, I figured out I was under eating. Uh, maybe not necessarily eating enough versus uh, eating too much. And then I started intermittent fasting as well. Two years, been two years now, year and a half now. Uh, really I can't speak enough about how, how great that's been. 
um, over the last couple months, partnered with Theragun. And as we, as you know, gimmicky as it's going to sound, Theragun has actually helped my knee a ton, just making sure this whole left, I've got some imbalance still in this left knee. Um, and so the Theragun helps kind of loosen up some of that when I do, um, I guess, compensate a little bit too much with that side. Going to a DO once once a week has helped a ton. He does a lot of like acupuncture, some uh, manipulation stuff. And so, like I said, just staying on top of things instead of letting things ball up where I'm like, ah, that hurts. I'm just going to go to bed. Actually going downstairs, grabbing the Theragun, hitting it, doing that type of stuff. Or, hey, uh, text the doc, say, hey, I may come in a, a little earlier this week just because I know something's getting worse. So uh, those type of things for sure helped. What is your intermittent fasting schedule like? I'm curious. Yeah. So I go one to nine. Um, for me, you know, I'll do probably, uh, we do like a longer training session in the morning, like 1030 till about 1230. Um, it really kind of depends on the kids. Like if the kids are going to bed a little earlier and I may try to go to sleep a little earlier, I may go 1230 to 830. Um, I try to make sure that window is always 16 hours that it's, um, that I don't eat. And so, but I may shift it either way. So like I may stop eating a little early if I know, tomorrow we're going to swim. So on swim days, it's tough to like wait till 1230 to eat because we usually swim kind of early, um, to get in and get out, stay out of the way of kind of the, the silver sneakers. We, we, you know, the, the, uh, the fitness center where we swim has allowed us to swim, but we kind of got to get out of the way. Um, so we get that done early and then we'll probably do another session. So by 1230, that's a tough, tough time to, to, to make it till. Um, but I, I feel great as long as I keep moving, I don't really think about food. But the biggest thing, what I noticed was I used to eat breakfast or eat in the morning and then I'd either forget to eat, get super busy, I'd take a shake, whatever it was, and not eat throughout the day and then eat at night. And so by that second training session, I was just trashed. And so this makes me eat before our 3, 3.30 training session. And so I feel good um, for that session. And then I think about whatever I'm eating the night after that as my fuel for the next morning. Gotcha. Uh, so it, it's... And it helped my blood, my blood work came back and it uh, helped a ton. It's helped with inflammation. My testosterone jumped almost uh, double. Uh, like I'm always, always, always been like a 450 to low fives. And I was up to like seven or no, what was I eight, 840, something like that, 790. So um, I was like, all right, I'll take that. So yeah. it's been good. As we kind of come toward the end here, what are your goals? And uh, your goals and interests outside of the fitness world. We've obviously talked a lot about your family, but I mean, you've had a long athletic career, and you're still you're still young. I mean, you're you're in your young, your low thirties. Let's call it low thirties, yeah. early thirties. A, a lot of mileage, though. You know, I may be a, a 1987 model, but I've, I, you know, the mileage <laughs> is more like a 1960 something. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I feel great. Um, outside of, of fit, I still just like to work. I like, I like being outside, you know, so anything with my kids, obviously, um, play as many sports as I can. It's getting a little bit harder. Like I said, with this knee and a lot of cutting and stuff, but I played in two, I played a flag football league in the summer and a flag football league in the fall and really enjoy that. Miss doing those type of things. Um, I like to hunt. Um, but when I say hunt, I actually like to go walk around the woods and see if I can find anything versus just, I can't sit still. Uh, we did an elk hunt last year and we hiked, I think 60 miles in six days. And it was incredible. Uh, didn't see one elk, but, uh, we hiked a lot. Uh, I enjoy turkey hunting and now we, you know, we've got the farm farm going and we've got bison out here and it's uh, pretty incredible. We're working on getting some more for the spring. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, I just like to 
I like to work and, and do things. And I, I, I blame my parents for that because I never once, you know, I, somebody asked me, you know, where, where the work ethic and all that stuff comes from. I never once saw my parents sit still while the light, you know, while the sun was still up, you know, once it got dark, you know, they would kind of chill out a little bit. Um, but they were always just moving. My wife gets so mad on Sundays cause she wants to just hang out, wants to have a family day. And she's like, why can't you just sit still? And I'm like, I have to be moving forward. Like I, on vacation, I'm miserable to be around because I need, I need my schedule. I need to be able to do my thing. I I'm just not, not a pleasant person to be around unless I'm doing something. Well, on that note, Rich, where is the best place? Where are the best places for people to keep up to date with what you're doing and also what CrossFit Mayhem's doing? Yeah. So I've got just my Instagram's probably the best uh, to see all the shenanigans that my kids do. That's pretty much what my Instagram has uh, turned into. Uh, so that's just at Rich Froning. And then we have uh, at the CrossFit Mayhem. We have at Mayhem Athlete. This kind of showcases some of our programming, um, online programming stuff, a bunch of our athletes on there. And then we got at Mayhem Classic. So we've got quite a few uh, Instagram handles, but we uh, Dre does a good job and Kristen helps him out with that. And uh, we make sure that those things are pretty up to date. And then we have a YouTube channel, just CrossFit Mayhem. Uh, we have Mayhem Mondays on there in our podcast. So um, there's some stuff, some stuff to see. we got a lot of stuff going on. Awesome. Rich, thanks so much for taking the time. Really excited for the upcoming year of, of competition. And you know we'll be tuning in to all the team events. So I really do appreciate it. Awesome. Appreciate you having me.